Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, it's Amy Mitlin-Niles here. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Programme. Arsenal versus Southampton. Wednesday, December the 16th, 2020. Kickoff, 6 p.m. The contents. The manager, Mikel Arteta. The captain, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Voice of Arsenal, 14 times. Player feature, Callum Chambers. Match action, Dundalk. Convertible currency. Community. Arsenal Academy. Arsenal Women Forward Arsenal My Story Visitors Southampton Match Action Burnley and Teams Manager's Notes Mikel Arteta It was another really disappointing defeat on Sunday, especially as we completely dominated the game. We generated all the chances, they had zero shots on target, but instead we lost the game. Obviously the red card changed the match completely, especially when you look at the way the game was going and the dominance that we had at that stage. It was a game that we had to win, but as soon as you go to 10 men, it makes it so much more difficult. We gave the opponent a chance and in the end that cost us. They made us pay, but it's our mistake. In the Premier League, You have to win the game. It's not a question. It's not a doubt. You have to go and win the game. That's it. And we should have. Because we should have defended the set piece better. And we still had some really good moments with 10 men. But as you could see, you cannot fault what the players are trying to do and how much they are willing. In fact, it's probably a case of being too willing that caused Granite to do what he did. We are all extremely disappointed with the defeat. What I can say about my players, though, is that I can see them putting the energy in. I see it in training every day, and I see it in the games. When a team is struggling like we are at the moment, you don't normally see them play the way that they did on Sunday, and the way we did against Spurs either last week. We faced two teams at different ends of the table. We put in dominant performances in both games, but at the end, it's the same. We gave the opponent a chance, and they scored. That's what it's about. It's about scoring goals and winning football matches, and we are not doing that. For us, it's good to have another game so quickly against Southampton tonight, 
The players are hurting and they want to put it right. I want to thank those of you who came out on Sunday to support us because you were tremendous getting behind the team, knowing how difficult it has been for us in this competition in recent weeks. It's great to see you react like that when you see the team putting in effort and try to go about our game. So, it's a quick turnaround for tonight's game and that's what we have to do. We don't have any time to feel sorry for ourselves. With the players we have available, we have to turn up again and try to get those three points that we need. We have three big games this week with Everton to follow on Saturday and we will see how everybody is. We have Hector and Granite suspended for tonight and we've also got a few knocks that we picked up in the last week so I will wait until as late as I can before the game before seeing who is available. We have shaken things up in terms of selection in some games already this season. Sometimes it has worked and other times it hasn't. What I will do is pick the team that gives us the best possibility to win the game, the best chance to perform and also players who I feel can make the best impact from the bench as well. Some of our players have only been back training with us for a short time after injuries, so the time might not be right for them yet. As I said, I need to pick the players who I feel give us the best chance of winning, but of course it's true that when you lose games, you have to try and think of other solutions on the pitch too. Finally, I want to speak a bit about the work the club is doing around our dedicated match day today, where all of our players are proud to be representing different participants of our Coaching for Life programmes in Jakarta and the Zatari Refugee Camp in Jordan. This has been a difficult year for everybody around the world, and at times like this it's even more important for the club to underline our commitments to the local and global communities and to stand side by side with those who need our support and love. We are all very proud of the work the club has done in the local area, especially over the past few months. We have delivered more than 500,000 meals now in Islington since the start of the pandemic, and I was able to hear more about this from those involved in the project when the delivery lorry came to the training ground last week. I also want to congratulate our Arsenal in the community staff who have been doing great work recently, including volunteering to drive NHS staff to vital appointments. We really appreciate the support of our fans as well. And whatever you feel you can contribute, it really does make a difference. On behalf of the whole club, we thank you. Captain's Notes Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang There are times when what happens in games can really hurt you and your teammates. But you just know as a group you have to stick together. Things didn't go our way on Sunday again, and as players we have to take responsibility for that as a team. That's the only way to turn around our form, to stay together, keep supporting each other, and keep pulling in the same direction. It was a hard one to take on Sunday, because I thought we were looking dangerous for most of the game, and we created more chances than we have done recently. It's a tough time for us at the moment though, and when things go against you, it's hard for everyone associated with the club. My own goal obviously made it difficult to come back into the game, because then Burnley could defend even deeper once they were ahead. For their goal, I was back defending the corner as I normally do, and was trying to clear the cross. It felt so bad when I saw the ball had flown in. It happens and I know I need to stay positive, 
to get back my form and start helping my teammates as much as I can. That's what all my focus is on now. We need to get going straight away and that's why it's good to have another game so soon back here at home. We face Southampton tonight and it will be good to see Theo Walcott back here at the Emirates. We never got to play together because he left just before I arrived, but he's a guy I watched a lot when he was at Arsenal because everyone was talking about his pace and I'm a guy who likes to see players that run quick. Here's a really, really talented player, and I think he's part of the history of this club, so it's great to follow him in the number 14 shirt as well. So I didn't play in the same team as him, but I've met him a few times, and occasionally see him in London, and he's a really good guy too. I have a lot of respect for him. But it's about us tonight. We have to turn our form around and do our talking on the pitch. We've got Pepe back from suspension tonight, and we're all pleased to see him back because he's been doing well in the Europa League while he's been out in the Premier League. Myself and Laka are always with him at the training ground, and we always support each other and try to help each other out. We often think and talk to each other about how we can do better and what we can improve. But I know Nico is a fantastic player. I think he just needs to find the right way to be consistent in these games. And that's it, really. That's all he needs. But for sure, with time, he's going to show everyone he's the type of player that we are waiting to see. He needs confidence. He's a guy who needs that, of course. But I think every player needs confidence, to be honest. We are all human beings, and of course you need confidence even if you are strong in your mind. Everyone needs confidence and we try to give our best to him. For him to feel comfortable in the team, I hope he can make a difference now his suspension is over. Finally, I'm proud as club captain to be involved in the work that the Arsenal Foundation does every year and to be part of our dedicated match day this evening. Since I joined, I have found out a lot of the different projects that the club do in London and also the rest of the world, and I think it's just amazing. It shows the power of football when you see what impact the work can make in even the most difficult places. Myself and the squad had a presentation at the training ground recently where we found out more about the club's work locally and across the world. It's important for us to understand what difference we can make it helped bring us closer to the work that's being done and to get to know about the youngsters on the Coaching for Life programme, so that's why we are all proud of playing with one of the participants' names on our shirts and also keeping the tradition of donating a day's salary to the Arsenal Foundation again this year. Also, I have just heard that we unfortunately won't be able to have fans inside the stadium for this game, we hope that you will be back soon as we really miss you all. It was great to see some of you here at the weekend, even if we couldn't give you the result we all wanted, and we are determined to put things right as quickly as possible. We really appreciate your support wherever in the world you are watching us. Voice of Arsenal our dedicated match day. Recently, the men's first team was shown a presentation on the work the Arsenal Foundation do locally and globally 
through our partnership with Save the Children in Za'atari Refugee Camp Jordan and Jakarta, Indonesia. They also pledge to continue the tradition of donating a day's salary to continue this work, with a particular focus on our Coaching for Life program at Za'atari Refugee Camp. Each player has been paired to play for a participant from Coaching for Life for today's game, with the name of the participants printed on the side of their match shirts. Here we tell some of their stories. Gaith, 17. When I came to the camp, there were no programs like Arsenal's. The coaches teach us about how to deal with our emotions. Gaith and his family fled Syria at the height of the brutal war in 2013. He witnessed things no child ever should, including his uncle being murdered. As a result, he suffers from depression. Since joining Coaching for Life, he's experienced a better quality of life and made friends. Maya, 14. I would like to send a message to world leaders to help us solve the issue of child marriage. Maya is from Syria and her family fled to Za'atari in 2013. She was extremely shy, but after taking part in Coaching for Life, she built her confidence and made new friends. She now advocates for the rights of other children in the camp and is determined to end child marriage. Yasser, 14. I enjoy the spirit of playing football with my friends. Yasser lives with his mother, six brothers and two sisters, aged 9 to 18. His father works in Kuwait. He was born in Da'ara, and due to the war in Syria, his family decided to seek shelter in Jordan in 2013. Yasser's mother wishes that he fulfills his dream of becoming a professional footballer without this impacting his studies. Marwa, 14. I started playing football five months ago and don't wish to stop. I am very thankful for the impact Arsenal and Save the Children have made on every girl in the programme. Marwa lived in Aleppo until her mother died of cancer. She has since lived with her aunt and her grandmother in Zatari camp. Through coaching for life, Marwa has learned teamwork, communication and problem solving. Heba, 17. I keep saying that we will achieve great things and the world will know about us. Someday we will deliver our message to the world. Heba grew up in Dara, Syria, with her mother, father and sister Rama. They had to move house three times because of the war, before eventually fleeing to Za'atari refugee camp six years ago. Coaching for life helps to build Heba's courage and inner strength. Okang, 14. Playing football makes me happy and helps me forget my problems. When Okang's brother died last year in his arms, his world fell apart. Having lost his best friend, Okang completely retreated from everyone and everything, and he didn't want to attend school. That was until he joined Coaching for Life. It gave him the skills needed to deal with his emotions and make new friends on the pitch. Irina, 15. Boys would say, why would you play football? You can only run. But when I play football, I feel great. Life is hard for Irina and her family. Her father is on welfare, and she shares a mattress with her two sisters. She is determined to be financially independent when she's older. Irina lost her mother to cancer when she was nine. Irina says coaching for life has helped her deal with her emotions. Ahmed, 15. I love playing football. It's a beautiful feeling. I forget everything when I'm on the pitch. Ahmed has been living in Za'atari refugee camp with his grandfather for six years after fleeing his home in Syria when he was just nine. 
He plays football every day and met Teo Mertesacker in 2018. His grandfather believes coaching for life has helped Ahmed to build his self-esteem and confidence. Rama, 14. The war affected me mentally. My thoughts became confused. I couldn't think with ease. I was agitated. Rama grew up in Da'ra, Syria, with her mother, father and sister Heba. When their home was hit by an attack during the war, shrapnel from a blast hit Rama's arm. Her parents rushed her to hospital, but couldn't afford the surgery she needed. The family fled to Za'atari camp six years ago. Dear, 14. By playing football I can forget all the troubles in my family. Dia is a teenager who is determined to prove that poverty will not stand in her way. Her father left the family when she was small, and she has felt from a young age that she must work to provide for her mother and siblings. Dia believes it's vital that girls play football so as not to be underestimated by men. Carlina, 16. Football helps me channel my energy. I feel like I can take on the world. Carlina lives with six of her siblings in a slum in North Jakarta, Indonesia. Her father is too sick to work, so her mother struggles to make a living collecting bottles for recycling from rubbish dumps. Since joining Coaching for Life, she has gained so much confidence and motivation and now gets up at 5am for football practice. Arsenal, league champions, 1930-31, stroke 1932-33. 1933-34, stroke 1934-35, stroke 1937-38, stroke 1947-48, stroke 1952-53, stroke 1970-71, stroke 1988-89, stroke 1990-91, stroke 1997-98, stroke 2001-02. Stroke 2003-04 stroke FA Cup winners 1930-1936-1950-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1971-1
programme at arsenal.co.uk. Twitter at AFC Programme. Directors Lord Harris of Peckham, Stan Crunker, Josh Crunker, Tim Lewis. Secretary David Miles. Life President Ken Fryer OBE. Chief Executive Officer Vinay Venkatesham. Technical Director Edu. Manager Mikel Arteta. It's Benfica next in Europe. The Gunners have been drawn against Benfica in the Europa League round of 32. Benfica qualified for the Europa League after finishing second in the Portuguese League last season, behind Porto, a position in which they currently sit at the moment, behind Sporting Lisbon. They qualified for the round of 32 by finishing second in their group behind Rangers, ahead of Lech Poznan and Standard Liège. A few familiar faces will be heading to Emirates, notably central defenders Yang Fotongen and Nicolas Otamendi, who we know from Tottenham and Manchester United in particular, and the lavishly talented Adele Tarabat, who played for Tottenham, QPR and Fulham in the capital. Despite playing in numerous European competitions together down the years, Arsenal have only faced Benfica once competitively, and it was a game fans won't want to remember. Following our 1990-91 league title win, we drew Benfica in the European Cup, our first time in that competition for 20 years. And after a 1-1 draw in Portugal, we succumbed 3-1 at Highbury in the second leg to depart the 1991-92 competition. We have played Benfica in a number of friendlies too, most recently in the 2017 Emirates Cup. The matches are scheduled to take place as follows. Benfica vs Arsenal, Europa League, round of 32, first leg. Thursday, February the 18th, kick-off 8pm. Arsenal vs Benfica, Europa League, round of 32, second leg. Thursday, February the 25th, kick-off 5.55pm. We're with you, Jen. Many Arsenal supporters will have heard Jen Beatty speaking so bravely over the weekend about her breast cancer diagnosis. The Arsenal women's central defender received her diagnosis in October and decided to speak to the BBC about her condition to raise awareness about breast cancer and the importance of identifying symptoms early. Speaking to Elid Barber on the BBC, Jen said, It kind of does seem like a massive blur. You automatically think the worst. I ask the question, am I going to die? That's what I ask them. I was grateful because they allowed my club doctor to be in appointments with me to ask all the right medical questions, because I didn't have a clue. The girls here were just unbelievable. I feel like it's moments like these or times like these where you realise why you play sport. It really is like being part of a family away from family. I don't know what I would have done without them. That's the staff and the players. They've all been unbelievable. The support I've had down here has got me through it, for sure. And there was a heartwarming moment during the warm-up to Sunday's game between Arsenal and Manchester City at City's Academy Stadium, as both sides stepped out wearing BT5 shirts in solidarity with the Scotland International. Everyone at the club is with you, Jen, and proud of your bravery in speaking about your situation in order to help others. Gerard Houllier Everyone at Arsenal was saddened to hear of the death of Gerard Houllier earlier this week, 
Houllier's Liverpool enjoyed many competitive fixtures with the Gunners, not least the 2001 FA Cup final when they came from behind to beat his friend and compatriot Arsene Wenger's team 2-1. He had a huge passion for football and was involved with numerous clubs as well as being part of technical committees at both UEFA and FIFA. Our thoughts are with his family and friends. Good luck, James. Everyone at Arsenal would like to wish season ticket holder James O'Connell all the very best as he goes through chemotherapy. We hope James is coping okay at this very difficult time and would like to wish him a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Let's hope the lads can give him some results to lift his spirits over the next few weeks. Nicholas back, Hector and Granite out. Nicholas Pepe is available for selection again this evening after serving a three-match suspension following his sending off against Leeds. However, Granit Xhaka starts a three-match domestic suspension this evening, following his sending off on Sunday, and Hector Bellerin's yellow card was his fifth of the season, and therefore serves a one-match suspension today. Arsenal members' Christmas giveaway We're giving away daily prizes to Arsenal members with a special countdown to Christmas Day. Every day from December 14th to 25th, members will have the chance to win amazing prizes, including signed shirts, Arsenal merchandise, special gifts from our partners, and much more. Simply answer a question from an Arsenal player to be in with a chance of winning. There are new prizes up for grabs every day, so if you're a member, make sure to check back each day this Christmas for more chances to win. Head to arsenal.com for more information. Arsenal remembers Martin Paris, Paz, aged 36, sadly passed away November the 12th, 2020, leaving two children, Leighton 14, Lily 10, sisters Maxine, Michelle and their families. A much-loved friend who will be sorely missed. Martin had a passion for life and football, especially Arsenal. Remembered for his infectious smile, laugh and zest for life. Program ITK. Congratulations to two Arsenal Academy graduates, Ben Cottrell and Miguel Aziz, who both made their first team debuts last week in our win over Dundalk in the Europa League. The two midfielders both came on during the second half. 19 year old Ben became 877th player to represent the first team in the club's history, and moments later, Miguel, 18, became player number 878. As well as making their debut in the same game, the two also share something else in common. They both attended Hayden School in Pinner, with Ben in the year above. Ref Watch Today's referee is Paul Tierney from Lancashire. Paul has been a Premier League referee since 2014 and has refereed seven Premier League games so far this season, though this is the first to feature the Gunners. Last season, Paul was the man in the middle for five Arsenal games. A 2-2 draw at Norwich, followed by a 3-0 defeat against Man City at Emirates Stadium and 1-1 draw away to Crystal Palace. In lockdown, he officiated our 2-1 win at Sheffield United and the home win by the same score against Liverpool. Fourteen times. The 14th match at the Emirates. In August, we lifted the FA Cup for a record-extending 
14th time. But it's not just our rich, illustrious history in football's oldest knockout competition that is synonymous with the number 14. March the 14th, 2009. It happened on the 14th. Arsenal 4, Blackburn Rovers nil. March the 14th, 2009. Premier League. Andrea Sharvin opened his Arsenal account with a fantastic solo goal in a thumping Premier League win over Blackburn. He was involved in the first goal, forcing Andre Ulia into a mistake that put him through to his own goal. The little Russian schemer had arrived in the winter transfer window and was creating chance after chance before he doubled the lead himself with an exquisite dummy. Substitute Emmanuel Ibodi added two late goals, including one from the penalty spot, to lift us to the top four as the season entered the running. Arsenal 6, Blackburn 2, 2006 Premier League. The team slowly stuttered into life at our new home upon moving to Emirates Stadium in 2006, drawing half of our first ten matches but a 6-2 win over Blackburn in the 14th game really lit the blue touch paper. By a strange quirk, each of our first eight Premier League games at the Emirates had ended either 1-1 or 3-0 to Arsenal, four of each. But momentum was a slow builder, and we were still unbeaten in our new home after 13 games in all competitions when Blackburn Rovers visited. Rovers went ahead from the penalty spot after a three minutes, but Gilberto soon equalised his fifth goal at the Emirates, making him our leading scorer in that value's early days. Alexander Hleb gave us the lead with a wonderful goal on 23 minutes before Emmanuel Adibayor netted a penalty before half-time. Nonda put Blackburn past back into a three-goal blast in the last five minutes, sealed a thumping 6-2 win. Robin Van Persie, still the top scorer at the Emirates, scored twice before Matthew Falamini added the sixth in the last minute. The win was part of the 22-game undefeated start at life at the Emirates, but we didn't score six goals in a home league win again until three years later, in another 6-2 win over Blackburn. Incidentally, the 14th game at Highbury was a 1-0 defeat to Huddersfield Town on February the 14th, 1940. Callum. If 2020 has been a truly forgettable year for many, in Callum Chambers' case, it was almost a complete write-off. Ruled out with an anterior cruciate ligament injury sustained at home to Chelsea in the final game of 2019, he then missed 43 matches, including the FA Cup final, Community Shield, and the whole behind-closed-doors period at Emirates Stadium. But as the year draws to a close, Callum has been able to put the injury behind him and can look ahead to 2021 with fresh optimism. The former Saints defender made his first team comeback two weeks ago here in the Europa League win over Rapid Vienna, the same game in which the fans themselves made their own long-awaited return to live action. He followed that substitute appearance with a strong showing against Undork in Dublin last week, 
where he played the full 90 minutes and nearly capped it with a goal late on, only to be denied by the linesman's flag. So, as we come up against his former side today, there is a lot for the 25-year-old to reflect upon over the past 12 months. It's been a long and patient journey for you over the last year, Callum. You must be relieved not to have to hear people asking you when you are going to be fit any more. Yeah, I heard that a lot over the past year, especially more recently as I was getting minutes for the under-23s and getting so close to the first team, so in the last few weeks I've heard it a lot, but to be honest, it's been good, because at least I could see the end in sight. In fact, I'd say it was the first few days and weeks that were the toughest for me, because your life just changes all of a sudden. You get the injury, then straight away you have the operation, and you can't walk properly for seven or eight weeks, and it's a drastic change from what you are used to. But nearer the end of the process, you are training every day, and you are back to a bit of normality. When you get near the end, you have the excitement of knowing you are nearly back, and you can really see the progress. You see the pathway back to the team that seems a really long way off at the start. That makes it really slow. You have to be patient, and that was the part I found most frustrating. As you said, your whole routine changed. What did you do differently, and who helped you to get back? Well, my family moved in with me, and that was a massive help for me. Obviously, the physios and team around me were amazing too. I also reached out to a few of the players, and they also reached out to me, especially those who had also had the same injury. There's Rob and Hector, of course, who had done it pretty recently, but also a lot of the coaching staff and the boss have been through the same injury, so that was really helpful in letting me know what to expect. There were so many people at the club I could talk to, and knowing about their experiences certainly helped me. You were out for pretty much a full year, a year in which a lot has happened at the club, and in the world generally. How do you look back on that time, now you are the other side of it? I'm just blanked. This year will be forgotten in my memory, but no, it's just crazy to think of what's happened over the past eleven months or so. When you look back at everything, winning the FA Cup, the Community Shield, and the pandemic, of course. I basically missed the whole era of no fans being allowed at the Emirates, because my first game back we had 2,000 fans in, so I didn't play a single game behind closed doors there, and I wasn't even allowed to go to the games to watch them, so I had to watch everything at home. So that whole experience of having no fans is hopefully now behind us, and I will be able to play with the fans being there. Because I was asking the players about what it was like playing in empty stadiums, and they told me they really missed the fans. I was watching the games on TV, and I found that strange too. I chose the option of having it with the fan noise added, because that's what I'm used to. So, when I did go to the stadium with no fans in, it felt very, very strange. Everyone has really missed having fans involved, and we can't wait until the day we have a full stadium again. You made your comeback for the under-21s against Gillingham in the EFL Trophy. How were you feeling ahead of that game? It was great. It was almost like it was a box I had to tick and get out of the way as part of my recovery. 
So, to get 45 minutes in that game felt really good. As soon as I had got through that, I was just thinking, right, when's the next game? Then, after that, I wanted the next one and the next one, so it kept me motivated. Then it was important to complete 90 minutes, another box ticked, and now it's about little steps and keep progressing to where I was before. What was that first game back like? Did you have any trepidation? I got completely flattened after about 30 seconds. The ball was in the air, I went up for the header, and got completely sandwiched by two players and flattened. That was a bit of a moment when I was laying on the floor, looking up at the sky, and I thought, right, here we go, we're back in it now. In those first few games, it's hard not to think about getting injured again, but it's really important to try not to think about that. There are a few scenarios, maybe going into a tackle, for example, where it might cross your mind, but the quicker you can get out of that, the more normal you feel. When I came on against Rapid Vienna, that was the first time that I had felt so focused, and being back to normal being with the boys, and with having fans in there as well, that was a really nice moment for me, a good time to come back. It was only Mikel's second game in charge when you got injured. But you know him well from playing in the same team as him. Do you think that's an advantage, that he knows you already? I wouldn't say it's an advantage for me, but it's true that he knows me as a player and as a person. He's already shown that he's a great manager, and all the players believe strongly in his philosophy and what he wants to do. It's really nice to have him as a manager. Were you one of those who thought Mikel would go into coaching back when he was your teammate? Yep, yeah, for sure. I remember there was a game, I think against Bournemouth at home, and I got thrown in as a defensive midfielder, and before the game, just as we were going out to warm up, he pulled me to one side and took me over to the tactics board and was going through it all and giving me advice before the game. Just simple things you do as a midfielder, but obviously I'd not played there before that point, so it was all very new to me. So he was telling me things that he knew and about experiences he'd had. So he ran through a few scenarios with me about when and how I might receive the ball, what I can do with it in each case, and it was just brilliant to go through it with him on the board. So you could tell then that he was always going to be a coach. Finally, we take on your old team, Southampton, today. Are there any players still there from your days at the club? Yeah, James Ward-Prowse is still there, of course, and a few others too, and now, of course, Theo has gone back too. So there are a few people I'm in touch with there. Obviously, it will always have a special place in my heart, because I was there for more than ten years, so it's always nice to come up against them, and it's just great that I'm back fit and ready in time if I'm selected. Follow me. Follow Callum on Instagram, at CallumChambers95. Callum was born Petersfield, January 20th, 1995. Joined Arsenal from Southampton on July 28th, 2014. Arsenal debut vs Manchester City, neutral. Community Shield, August 10th, 2014, 1-3-0. First Arsenal goal versus Burnley, home, Premier League, November the 1st, 2014, 1-3-0.
Previous clubs, Southampton, Middlesbrough on loan, Fulham on loan. Honours, Community Shield winner 2014, three England camps. Europa League Match Day 6 5.55pm, Thursday, December 10th, Aviva Stadium, Dublin. Dundalk FC 2, Arsenal 4. First half. We began brightly, pressing high up on a less than ideal surface. Eddie Nketiah's energy set the tone and he got his reward when he closed down Andy Boyle and blocked his clearance before nonchalantly lifting the ball over Gary Rogers. The Dundalk goalkeeper had even less chance six minutes later when Mohamed El Naini took aim from left of centre around 25 yards out. His fierce shot arrowed beyond Rogers and into the far top corner. Dundalk had barely registered an attack, but Jordan Flores got forward to play a neat one too and fire powerfully beyond Alex Renarsson. The home side rallied and we needed a last-ditch block from Callum Chambers, who was making his first start for almost a year. Second half. Just past the hour, Fuller and Balogun got another chance to shine as a substitute, and he took it. First, he held the ball up impressively and found Willock for a shimmy and a low shot that found its way underneath Rogers. Then Balogun rounded off a comfortable win with a calm finish into the bottom corner after good work from Nicolas Pepe. Sean Hawes' late header was no more than a footnote in a match that will be remembered for introducing two more academy graduates into first-team football. Midfielders Ben Cottrell and Miguel Aziz both came on as second-half substitutes, an experience that they will never forget. Convertible Currency Football historian John Sperling looks at the evolution of Arsenal players' positions past and present. Martin Keown, competitive anywhere. When Martin Keown, who departed Highbury in May 1986, rejoined Arsenal from Everton in February 1993 for £2 million, he was warned by George Graham that competition for places in the Gunners' back four would be tough. Graham already had a coterie of imposing title-winning central defenders at Ivory, including skipper Tony Adams, Steve Bould and Andy Linigan. But when the opportunity to re-sign Keown, the former Gunners Youth Academy graduate, presented itself, Graham didn't hesitate. At first, he appeared in the team sporadically. With Arsenal reaching Wembley in 1993 in both the Coca-Cola Cup and FA Cup, the Cup tied Keown played only in low-key end-of-season league clashes, but showed his adaptability in the two seasons that followed by playing equally as effectively in both at the back four and back three as Arsenal reached two successive Cup Winners' Cup finals. Although he missed the 1994 final through injury, he appeared alongside Adams and Bould in 1995 in the Paris final, as Arsenal went down 2-1 to Real Zaragoza. Intriguingly, Keown slotted into both the full-back slot and the central midfield on a couple of occasions in the latter Graham years, and Graham argued, Martin's reading of the game is such that I would trust him to play anywhere at the back or in the middle of this team. I know that he would do a sterling job. Under new manager Bruce Rioch, 
who took over at Highbury in the 1995 close season, Keown was once again asked to slot into midfield, this time on a more regular basis. Rioch was very clear from the outset about what he wanted at Highbury. I wanted to leave the era of the long ball behind us and begin to get the defence to pass the ball through midfield, rather than simply launching the ball forward, he reflected. The Gunners were certainly easier on the eye during the 95-96 campaign, if prone to stuttering on their travels in crunch games. Rioch had to settle for a largely functional midfield, however, with the likes of John Jensen, David Hillier and Steve Morrow present and correct. He planned to add a more creative presence to the centre of the pitch, although he wasn't at the club long enough to make good on this. However, Rioch began to experiment and playing Keown in midfield was his biggest punt. He insisted, Martin may not agree at the moment, but in the long term it will make him a more effective defender. It was a point with which Keown later concurred, acknowledging how Rioch helped improve my distribution of the ball no end. The sight of Keown in the centre of the park didn't always sit comfortably with Arsenal fans, or Keown himself, who had a sparky relationship with Rioch. Keown excelled when instructed to man-mark an opponent, and with his pace, he was able to cover a huge amount of ground rapidly. With full-backs Lee Dixon and Nigel Winterburn given more freedom to bomb forward on the flanks, Rioch encouraged ball-playing centre-backs and introduced a change in playing style to the club. When Arsene Wenger replaced Rioch in N5 in September 1996, Keown was moved back into central defence. Due to a broken shoulder sustained in Le Tournois, a pre-season competition, Keown missed a large chunk of the double-winning 97-98 campaign, but forced his way back into the side as the campaign progressed and finally laid his hands on silverware. Throughout the next five seasons, Keown, along with defensive partners Bould and Adams, morphed from being tough-tackling stoppers into tough-tackling ball-playing defenders who, when the occasion allowed, could bring the ball forward out of defence with newfound confidence. The liberated Keown latterly became a fan's favourite, even displaying a penchant for nutmegging his opponents on the right occasion. Despite the fact that football was becoming less of a physical game, with the aerial battles of your lessening, Keown remained the arch-competitor right up to his departure from Highbury in 2004 after the team went through the season unbeaten his game unquestionably rounded by a brief sojourn in midfield. Andy Linnigan, fleeting forward. Blink and you'd have missed it, but for the final six minutes of Arsenal's home match with Aston Villa at the tail end of the 1992-93 campaign, substitute Andy Linnigan was pushed up front. The Gunners were trailing 1-0 to title-chasing Villa and, in truth, hadn't looked like equalising at all. Even Ian Wright had a quiet game, and with Arsenal's top scorer hauled off after 84 minutes, Linnigan entered the fray. With Kevin Campbell also replaced by Ray Parler, the Alan Smith-Andy Linnigan forward line was forged, albeit for 360 seconds. Linnigan ran his socks off. I just tried to make a nuisance of myself, to be honest, and even powered in a header, which flew well wide. It was all to no avail, and Arsenal lost the match. For the next league game against Nottingham Forest, Linigan reverted back to his favoured number five slot, although come season's end, 
he displayed a striker's killer instinct when his towering header won the FA Cup for Arsenal in the replay against Sheffield Wednesday. Community. Anti-bullying workshops. The Arsenal in the Community Primary Stars team supported Anti-Bullying Week 2020, 16th to the 20th of November, by delivering a series of interactive workshops for pupils at local primary schools. Primary Stars coaches facilitated a total of 11 interactive workshops across five different schools in Islington, Camden and Hackney. More than 300 KS2 pupils from Sacred Heart, Fleet Moorland, Blessed Sacrament and Prince's May Primary Schools took part in the events that focused on the theme of United Against Bullying. It was a very empowering programme, which led to some very thoughtful discussions, said Year 6 teacher from Blessed Sacrament Primary School. William Somerville, as a group, we collectively found ways in which we can prevent bullying from happening and solutions to resolve issues if it does. Blessed Sacrament Primary School count themselves very lucky to have taken part. Pupils were asked to discuss what bullying means to them and to share their own experience and the issues to identify examples of bullying in a series of realistic scenarios. They're also tasked with a freeze-frame challenge, drama and hot-seating activity, which featured a performance and Q&A session by each group on those scenarios. Year 5 thoroughly enjoyed the anti-bullying workshop delivered by Arsenal. The sessions were fun, engaging, and really got the children thinking about how they can actively combat bullying. The use of real-life scenarios was particularly helpful, for those who helped the children and contextualise their learning, said Louise Mensah, a five-year teacher from Moreland Primary. Well done at Copenhagen. Great to spend some time talking about language skills and the opportunity that they create. And that was after the photo of the week. Also in the community, Twitter's account is at AFCC Community. They highlight some of this month's community work. Academy. Developing strong young gunners. In this issue, Young Gun, Tim Akinola. Match reports, Gabby's back. Remember, Nathan Teller. News, Nicolaj nominated. Stats, results and fixtures. Young Gun, Tim Akinola, talking to Aidan Small, born Lokoja, Nigeria, 8th of May 2001, signed for Arsenal, August 2020. Height and weight, 5 foot 9 inches, 75 kilos. Position, central midfield. Boot, Adidas Predators. School, Brooksby College near Melton Mowbray. My journey to becoming an Arsenal player is a crazy one. Let me explain. Before I moved to this country as an eight-year-old, I was born and raised in Nigeria and had never kicked a football before in my life. Funnily enough, I actually have a few family members who support Arsenal, but growing up it was all about education, education, education. My parents just wanted the best for me, and it was the same for my brother and sister too. They've both been to university now, so I guess it's paid off for them. 
Anyway, when I eventually moved over to England, I made a few friends and naturally, because they played football, I started playing too. Like anyone else, I was dreadful when I first started. But the difference between me and most academy players is that I started so late. Some of my Arsenal teammates joined the club when they were basically toddlers. Meanwhile, I was playing badly for fun at parks and trying to get to grips with the basics of the game. It was only two years later that people started to notice that I was a bit of a natural on the pitch, and that's when I first joined my local team. This is when things started to get complicated for me. In my first season, I was scouted by a few Midlands clubs, and I was asked to go on trial, but I never went. The reason, someone at the club, who didn't want me to leave, told my dad it was really expensive to play for those teams. My dad didn't understand the football system, and so we believed him, and we didn't respond to the scouts. I ended up staying there for another three years or so, and it was only when I joined another club that we realised how the football system works and what had happened. I just had to take it on the chin. I was still only playing for fun at this stage. So when I was 16, I started my first year of college and by the time I was 17, I'd been scouted by Lincoln City. Now that I look back, I find it crazy because I don't know any other players who are scouted at such a late date these days. It's like something out of the 1990s. Lincoln didn't have any scholarships left, so they gave me a schoolboy scholarship and that meant I wasn't being paid and I still had to attend college. My timetable was ridiculous. I'd work for six hours and then leave ten minutes early just so I could run and get to training on time. I was living alone at the time in a really small room and I found that very hard. I just tried to remind myself that I'm in an academy and I need to keep working hard. But after a year of playing every game in their academy, I felt like I was being taken for granted because they knew I was willing to fight regardless of the situation. Everyone thought I was going to get a pro contract but it kept being delayed more and more. Then Huddersfield came in for me, and because I was a college student at the time, I could have gone on a free. But because I didn't have an agent, it was so complicated to understand, and, like I said before, I felt like I was taken advantage of a bit. Thankfully, I knew a player at Huddersfield, so I told him my situation, and then their head of recruitment contacted me directly to ask about my situation. I told him the deal, had a trial, and then a few days later I was given my first pro deal. That was an amazing feeling after so many years of hard work. And weirdly, it was also when Lincoln wanted to offer me something too. I just felt like I wasn't being cared for as a person more than anything else, and that's really important to me. My time at Huddersfield Town was a really valuable learning experience though. It developed me as a professional and I'm grateful for my time there. But once again, things didn't quite go to plan. I haven't had it easy. After a year, I was told they weren't going to extend my contract. What they asked me to do next was a real test of character. They gave me two options. I could either go home there and then, or stay and train with the younger players. I opted for the latter, and in a weird way, it's probably what got me here. When lockdown hit, the club hosted Zoom sessions, and every single day I would attend. I could have easily ignored them, but I was so hungry to keep improving. On the side, I was training three or four hours every day. It's weird. It's like I knew I was going to a bigger place. That's when I got the call. 
my agent sent three 90-minute games to Arsenal, and after they reviewed my footage, they wanted to offer me a trial. Lockdown kept getting extended, and that was killing me because I just wanted my chance. But in the end, they decided to roll the dice and sign me up because they could see just how hungry I was. I'll never forget that day, and even now I can't quite believe that I'm here. Things are even better than I could ever have imagined too. For the first time in my career, I genuinely feel like I'm valued as a player and person by my club. And that's crazy because it's at one of the biggest clubs in the world. I'm playing, I'm learning, I'm appreciated. It's all so new to me. It's the happiest I've ever been in my life. Every single day I wake up with a smile on my face, knowing I'm about to walk through the gates at London Colney and wear this Arsenal back. The coaches, the staff, the physios, everyone here has made me feel so welcome. It feels like home, and I'm so proud to represent this club. Rate yourself out of 100. Speed, 89. Shooting, 70. Dribbling, 82. Passing, 81. Defending, 85. Tim Akinola, Lowdown. Who got me into playing football? My friends and my brother. First footballer I looked up to. Ronaldo, when I was young, Zidane and Vieira after. Favourite football shirt I've owned, England 2010 World Cup shirt. Team supported as a child, Manchester United. Best goal ever scored, at college, a half volley with my weaker foot from outside the box that hit the bar and went in to win us the game. Best player I faced, Morgan Rogers, now at Man City, but I played against him when he was at West Brom. I have never seen a player single-handedly destroy a whole team by himself. Best moment of my career so far, signing for Arsenal. It made me realise that with talent and faith, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. One stadium I'd like to score in, Wembley. One type of goal I'd like to score, bicycle kick from just outside the 18-yard box. A player to score a one-on-one to save my life, Robert Lewandowski. Other sports I'm good at, badminton and athletics. My ambitions this season away from the pitch. To reach out to those struggling to find a club and looking to give up. Things can change quickly. The important non-playing attributes for young footballers. Determination, attitude and being able to resist temptation. Favourite footballers of all time. Zinedine Zidane, Kevin De Bruyne, Patrick Vieira and Yaya Toure. Favourite pre-match song? A.S. Comps. They're YouTubers who make football videos and I love the background music on each football video. One thing I need on an away day? My Bible. One thing I want to do in my career? Lift the World Cup. If I wasn't a footballer, I'd be a sports scientist or go into acting. First team player I look up to? Thomas Partey. Something not many people know about me. I can dwell on my mistakes too much. Even the smallest things can make me feel like I've scored an own goal. Academy Match Report Papa John's Trophy Tuesday, December the 8th, Plough Lane AFC Wimbledon 3 Longman 67 Osewu 73 Piggott 90 Arsenal 0 Arsenal Under 21 Hein, Saliba, Socrates, Lopez, Alibiosu, Cottrell Norton Cuffey, 78. 
Akinola, Aziz, Ideo, 78, Sirjan, Martinelli, Taylor Hart, 45. Subs not used, Gratzik, Dinzei, Ogumbu, Norton Cuffey, Lewis. Gabriel Martinelli made his return from injury last week as our under-21s were beaten 3-0 by Wimbledon in the second round of the Papa John's Trophy. The 19-year-old played 45 minutes and looked lively in the final third, but was unable to prevent Steve Bald's side from dropping out of the competition. William Saliba and Socrates also started. We had the better of the first half with some promising play from Martinelli and a free kick from Miguel Aziz that sailed just over the bar. The latter then delivered a dangerous cross from the left for our best chance of the evening, but Martinelli's header was saved and he couldn't reach the follow-up. Ryan Alibiosu fired just wide of the post from the edge of the area shortly after, but we were made to pay for our missed chances following the break. After playing out from the back, Tim Akinola was dispossessed on the edge of the 18-yard box and substitute Ryan Longman, who had only been on the pitch for a minute, duly converted. Paul Osu then fired into the far corner after being played through by Longman, before Akinola was dismissed for a second yellow card offence, kicking the ball away from a free kick. Things went from bad to worse, as Saliba was also shown a second yellow card, before Joe Piggott made it three deep into stoppage time, knocking us out of the competition. Academy alumni, catching up with former Arsenal Academy players as they continue their pro careers away from the Emirates. Nathan Teller It's been more than three years since Nathan Teller left North London for pastures new, and now he's picking up Premier League minutes for tonight's opposition Southampton. A pacey and skillful winger, a pacey and skillful winger, Teller joined us at just eight years of age and progressed through our youth ranks at an impressive rate, often playing alongside the likes of Emile Smith-Rowe, Reese Nelson and Doniel Malin in attack. Teller made his debut for our under-18s at just 15 years of age and went on to feature regularly over the next two seasons, proving his worth on both wings. Back in 2016-17, he made his return from injury in spectacular fashion scoring and assisting in a dramatic 4-2 win over Tottenham Hotspur. But at the end of the season, he made a trip down south to join the Saints when his contract expired. He made a splash in his first year with the under-23s, scoring five and assisting twice in 15 Premier League 2 appearances, before scoring once and assisting twice the following season. The youngster suffered a frustrating 2019-20 campaign after picking up a long-term injury, but he was rewarded for his hard work before the season came to a close, when he was handed his Premier League debut in Southampton's first game back following the restart. He's since made a further three Premier League appearances against Tottenham, Burnley and Chelsea. With Southampton's record of utilising young players and their faith in academy graduates, Teller seems to be in safe hands. Academy News Lone Watch, six of the best. Six of our Academy stars were in action for their lone clubs over the weekend of December 5th stroke 6th. Trey Coyle came off the bench and scored for Gillingham against Swindon. The on-loan attacker's strike was his side second in a 2-0 win after Vadane Oliver opened the scoring in the first half. 
Tyrese John Jules made his first start after recovering from injury for Doncaster against Northampton Town on Saturday. After scoring from the bench against Hull in midweek, our 19-year-old forward made it 2-2 by netting at Sixfield Stadium, before Joe Wright added a second to make it 2-0. The win moved Doncaster up to 8th place in League One. Harry Clark played the full game as Oldham beat Cambridge 2-1 at Abbey Stadium. Connor McKelleny and Alfie McCalmott grabbed the goals for the Lancastrians. Mark McGuinness played the full match as Ipswich Town beat Plymouth 2-1 in League One. Our 19-year-old defender saw his side concede after just 14 minutes at home park, as Luke Jeffcott put the ball into Dave Cornell's net. Ipswich completed a rapid-fire turnaround in the second half, though, with two goals in two minutes from John Nolan and Caden Jackson. Matt Smith started his 14th game in a row for Swindon Town as they lost 2-0 to Gillingham. Smith was unable to prevent his side from slipping to 20th in League One. Finally, James Oleinka played the full match as Southend drew 0-0 with Stevenage. The result leaves Oleinka's side bottom of League Two, having picked up just six points from 15 games this season. Congratulations, Nikolaj. Nikolaj Moller has been nominated for November's Premier League Two Player of the Month award. Signed from Malmo in October, the 18-year-old has made an incredible start to life in North London, and last month was in superb form for our under-23s. Moller kick-started November with a goal and an assist in our 6-0 win over Blackburn, before scoring another in a 3-1 home win over Derby County. Arsenal Women News and reports from England's most successful women's football team. Manchester City vs Arsenal Women's Super League Man City Football Academy Stadium Sunday, December 13th Manchester City 2 Arsenal 1 The scorers for Manchester were Mewis on the 30th minute and Weir on the 90th For Arsenal, Medima in the 3rd minute Playing for Arsenal were Williams Meyer, substituted by Catley in the 66th minute, Williamson, Beatty, McCabe, Gutt, Little, Ruard, Mead, substituted by Van der Donk in the 80th minute, Maidema, Ford, substituted by Nobbs in the 80th minute. Subs not used were Zinsberger, Stanson, Evans. We suffered late heartbreak on Sunday as we slipped to a 2-1 defeat against Manchester City on the road. We started strongly with Viviane Maidema opening the scoring, but we failed to maintain our dominance with goals from Sam Mewis and Caroline Weir proving vital on an emotional day in the northwest. Just 24 hours after Jen Beatty had told the story behind her battle with breast cancer, the centre-back started alongside Leah Williamson in our defence. After suffering a 2-1 defeat in our last meeting with City, we knew we needed a fast start to build confidence, and that's exactly what happened. Pressing from the front and playing with purpose, Vivian Maidema pounced on a loose pass on the edge of the area and curled her right-footed effort into the bottom corner. The Netherlands international has now scored 16 goals across all competitions this season. We continued to dominate play, and looked the stronger of the two sides, 
that following a positive five-minute spell from the hosts, Sam Mewis climbed high inside the area to head home from a corner. The remainder of the first half and the following 25 minutes of the second proved to be a tightly contested affair, with chances arriving few and far between. But as we approached the closing stages, it was City who took charge of the game, and we soon found ourselves defending in numbers on the edge of our penalty area. We dealt with delivery after delivery, and looked set for a share of the spoils, but with a single lapse in concentration, Weir picked up the ball twenty yards from goal and fired into the bottom corner with almost the last kick of the game. Congratulations, Katie! Despite the heartbreaking defeat, it was still a special afternoon for Katie McCabe on Sunday, who made her 100th appearance for Arsenal. The Republic of Ireland captain, who joined the Gunners from Shelbourne Ladies in December 2015, has scored 18 goals for us and joins Beth Mead, Jan Beattie, Danielle van der Donk, Leah Williamson, Kim Little and Jordan Nobbs in the 100 Club. Congratulations, Katie! Forward Arsenal, number 25, Moel Enmi. Arsenal Football Club prides itself on always looking forward, so we're asking our players to gaze into the future to see what's on the horizon. How far forward do you plan your week? I've always been a person to take each day as it comes, but I have big dreams and I think every month or every year it's good to set targets too. But in my head, I just try and take each day as it comes and improve myself in any way possible because that's the best way to build something for the future what does training look like this week we haven't been in the best form so it's been tough we've been watching the games back and taking a look at the things that we're doing right and when we're winning and the things that we're doing wrong when we're losing we know it's difficult time for us but we have to stick together we work hard on the training ground to find solutions on the pitch we're a big club and we need to have high standards How far forward do you look at the fixture games list? I know it's a boring thing to say, but every game is so important. It really is, especially when we find ourselves on form that we're currently in. We need to bounce back with a few good results, and we need to do it fast. Of course, there are big games that mean more to the fans, and I completely understand that, because that's why we love football. But I've always got to try and relax before a game. That's when I play at my best. If you had to work in one of the following after your playing career, which would you choose? Coaching, media or something away from football? I would love to be a coach. I've always said that I, when I finish my career in football, I really want to stay in the game. And I do everything I can to be a top coach. I've had the honour of working with some incredible coaches throughout my career. And I feel I've discovered lots of little things from there. I've also worked with Arsene Wenger in my last year in Turkey. So I picked up so much experience tactically. Have you started any qualifications yet? Well, I wanted to start this year actually, but when I came back to Arsenal I was thinking what should I focus on 100% of my football and only that. Then I suppose once everything is good, I will start to look at my licences. So in a dream world, what would your next meal be? An Indian, a car, a Ferrari, why not? Trophy that you win, the Premier League, or the Africa Cup of Nations. Favourite holiday destination, the Maldives. New teammate, Lionel Messi. 
What do you still want to achieve in your career? There are two things I really want to win with Arsenal, and that's the Premier League and the Champions League. It's a dream for me, and I feel like Arsenal can do this. It's not something that's impossible or that we have no chance. We're a big club. We have a big history. We have a big spirit, and we are strong mentally. We just need to keep working hard. With my national team, my dream is to win the Africa Cup of Nations. I've dreamed about that since I was a kid, and to this day, I wake up thinking about it. What club would you never sign for? Because I'm a professional player, I could never say never. But when it comes to Arsenal, it didn't take long for me to realise that the right answer is here. And you know exactly which club I mean. I couldn't do that because I think all my time here. I'm an Arsenal fan and I know we don't like them. I have a great connection with the fans here and I know if what they would mean to them if I did that. I could never make the fans unhappy because I love them. I don't want to ever lose that connection with Arsenal. What other profession would you love to try after you leave football? Honestly, I can't see myself being involved in anything else but football. I've played it since I was six years old and every single day since then it's been about football, football, football. Maybe one day I'll find something else, but for now it's the only job I've ever been focused on. What do you look forward to most when you retire? To be honest with you, I've always been the guy who likes staying at home. I'm very relaxed. I'm not one of those people you really see going out and about, travelling the world to see all the different countries. I feel different experiences for me when I finish football. I just want to focus on being a coach because I love football so much. And it's such a great career. I don't want anything to get in the way of me becoming a coach. What city would you like to live in once you stop playing? I've always loved Egypt. But ever since I've been in England, I've loved it here. I really can't see myself living here for longer. As I've already said, I want to be the best coach and I want to do that. If I'm one of the best places in the world to get started. But if not, you will find me in any other country. I'll get my coaching career started. Egypt will always be close to my heart. Would you like your children to get into football? Yes, my son has just started. I'm looking at clubs for him to join because he's seven years old and he wants to be a footballer. He's looking good and he's getting lots of training with me every day. What do you still want to achieve away from football? I've always wanted to start a big company under my name, but I'm not quite sure what kind of business I want to run. I don't know yet, but I'd like to help people. I'd like to be a good businessman. I'd love to be successful. So I'm always thinking of different ways I can do that. I want to be number one in anything I do. Who is the next big thing in your country, do you think? The thing is, you can never tell. In football, sometimes you will see that there are young players. They care more about cars, houses or things like that. So I like to see young players who are focused on being the best footballer that they can be. That's what impresses me. Do you plan your meals over the week? Ever have a treat night? Thankfully, my wife is really good at cooking and it helps me a lot at home. I don't do much planning at all. What invention does the world need the most? We need help. We need each other. I know that with COVID-19, so it's really difficult time for everybody. Mentally, I know that the economy is in a bad place. People are struggling for jobs and money. I've heard so many sad stories and I want all of us to be there for each other. I know it's hard right now, but we need all of us to do everything we can to remain positive because I believe it's the best mentality to have. Tomorrow can always be better when you're negative, but you can attract negative energy towards yourself. But when you maintain positivity, 
and support your friends and family, you can feel okay in the inside, even when things are tough. And finally, you are told that there is a spare seat on the next trip to the International Space Station. Do you go? If there were two seats, who would you want to go with? For me, there's no way I could go. I'm not this kind of man. It's hard for me to try new things, and something like that would be too much for me. Even when I go out to eat, I simply pick the same thing because the owner knows what my order is. It's difficult to me to try new things, but if I had to go, I would take my son with me. The Arsenal Foundation. My story. The work at the Arsenal Foundation and the partners and initiatives it supports have touched the lives of a great number of people in a variety of ways. The Arsenal Foundation helps us to fund and support Haven House, a hospice that provides care for life-limited children and their families. Chris Thomas, 38 and from Barkingside, is a lifelong Arsenal fan whose family discovered Haven House after a hospital visit changed their lives forever. Our daughter Annabelle suffers from spinal muscular atrophy, which was diagnosed on December 23, 2016. She was nine months old, and we were told she had 18 months to live. SMA affects her muscles by not allowing the electrical signals to be fully sent through the nervous system, which affects her movement, breathing, swallowing, everything. We were told a cold could kill her. We heard about Haven House through our community nurse. When we heard the word hospice, we immediately thought it was a place for palliative care, a place to die. But we now realise it is so much more than that. It's a place to celebrate living. Haven House provided us with respite support in the first few years when we were exhausted. This has moved into physiotherapy, which is essential to prevent muscle atrophy, music therapy and lessons, yoga and counselling. Covid is our worst nightmare, though. Anything that affects the respiratory system is especially dangerous for SMA sufferers as their respiratory muscles are weaker. We're used to sanitising and mask-wearing when it's flu season, but this was a whole new level. Being locked down stole from us the freedoms we relied on, so Haven House brought physio, music therapy and yoga to us at home through virtual sessions. Haven House is the equivalent of a group hug from people within your community who understand the dangers and stresses inflicted on your family. The care and structure they offer helps build our family armour to go and face the world again. We feel safe there, and the hospice at home service is incredible too. That a Haven House nurse can come to our house and give us respite when Annabelle is poorly and we can't leave the house is invaluable. The good news is that before COVID, we heard about a new drug for SMA called Spinraza. Annabelle was the first girl in the UK to receive the drug on a programme at Great Ormond Street. It has gifted us a positive future and we're at the cutting edge of medical science she is the first SMA child to regain her swallow. She doesn't require breathing support, and we're working towards assisted walking. We've gone from having a time limit on Annabelle's life to a blank canvas. It's a gift we want to build from, to offer her all the opportunities we had as children. 
We want her to be part of a society that looks at all people as equal, regardless of ability, creed, or color. Above all, we want to show her the world so she can decide where she wants to explore and the life she wants to create for herself. The only non-negotiable is that she supports Arsenal. For more info, visit havenhouse.org.uk The Visitors Southampton by Mike Hammond Formed 1885 Nicknamed The Saints Stadium, St Mary's Stadium Capacity, 32,384 Honours, First Division Stroke Premier League Runners-up, 1983-84 stroke Second Division Stroke Championship Winners, 1965-66 stroke 1977-78 stroke 2011-12 stroke Third Division Stroke League One Winners, 1959-60 stroke FA Cup Winners, 1976 FA Cup Runners-up, 1900-1902-2003 League Cup runners-up, 1979-2017. Chairman, Zhao Jisheng. Social followers, Twitter, 1.2 million. Instagram, 930,000. Facebook, 3.1 million. When Southampton last visited Emirates Stadium, a little over a year ago, they looked to be on the rocks. With just one point from their previous seven games, among them a record-breaking 9-0 home defeat against Leicester, there looked to be only one direction in which the team and their manager, Ralph Hasenhudel, were heading. But not only did the Saints keep faith with their Austrian boss, they also recovered sufficiently to finish halfway up the final Premier League table. And now in 2020-21, with largely unchanged personnel, they have become one of the best teams in the land and sit fourth in the Premier League after Sunday's comfortable 3-0 win over Sheffield United. The transformation of the team's fortunes over the last 12 months is remarkable, and it could be argued that the catalyst for Southampton's turnaround was in this fixture on November 23rd last year, when the Saints drew 2-2 and were denied victory only by a very late Alexandre's Lacazette equaliser. They went on to win four of their next six games, and by the time they got their revenge on Leicester with a 2-1 win at the King Power Stadium in January, they were effectively out of trouble. Southampton continued to prosper after the return from lockdown. Indeed, the only defeat they suffered during those last nine games in the summer came in the second of them, 2-0 at home to Arsenal. They drew three of the others, winning the rest, including 1-0 at home to Man City to climb up to 11th their highest final placing for three years. With a total of 52 points, they were 18 clear of the bottom three. Their form over the final two-thirds of the season, the third best in the league. That momentum has been successfully carried forward into the new campaign. Despite the loss of their opening two fixtures, the second of them 5-2 at home to Tottenham. Furthermore, there was a moment of supreme satisfaction for the club when they went top of the Premier League table albeit for one night only, after winning 2-0 at home to Newcastle on a Friday evening in early November. It was the first time Southampton had led the standings of England's top division since a 19-year-old Matt Letizier 
helped them win their first three games of the 1988-89 season. The concession of a two-goal lead and a late winner to Manchester United in a 3-2 home defeat on November 29th was a hammer blow to Saints' growing ambition. But they bounced back with a 2-1 win at Brighton and it is Southampton's away form that has particularly impressed over the past year. Their last 17 Premier League games on the road have yielded 10 wins, 4 draws and just 3 defeats. This season the record is 1-3, drawn 2, lost 1, with no defeats in the last 5, which include a last gasp 3-3 draw at Chelsea and a 4-3 win at Aston Villa in which they were 4-0 up after an hour's play. Entertainment has accompanied Southampton on their travels this season and the expectation must be for more of the same this evening. Mutual admiration Steve Williams was one of the outstanding midfielders in the country when the 26-year-old joined Don Howe's Arsenal on December 31, 1984. He had shone for the Saints during their halcyon days of the early 80s, playing 349 games, scoring 27 goals, and captaining the team as they finished second in the top flight in the 1983-84 season. He joined the Gunners in a difficult period for the club, and ultimately, George Graham wanted to bring through younger midfielders, but his combination of silk and steel is still remembered fondly by many supporters. In all, he played 121 games for Arsenal and scored five goals before leaving for Luton Town in the summer of 1988. First Impression reproducing the oldest picture in our archives featuring today's opponent. After losing their previous FA Cup semi-finals in 1906 and 1907 to Newcastle United and Sheffield Wednesday respectively, the Gunners finally reached Wembley with a 2-1 victory over Southampton on March 26, 1927 in front of 52,133 at Stamford Bridge. The picture shows the ball hitting the back of the net after a Joe Holm shot, although Holm is not in the picture. The Arsenal player following in is Jimmy Brain, looming over the stricken Saints keeper Thomas Allen, with the other Gunner players in view being Billy Blythe on the left and Sid Hoare on the right. Captain Charles Buchan also scored for Arsenal in the 2-1 win, with Bill Rawling scoring for Southampton. Arsenal went on to lose the final 1-0 to Cardiff City, though it wasn't long before their first triumph and first major trophy, when they beat Huddersfield Town 2-0 in the 1930 Cup Final. Premier League record, AFC wins 23, draws 10, SFC wins 9, Arsenal win percentage 55. All-time record, AFC wins 51, draws 27. SFC wins 21, Arsenal win percentage 52. 2-0 The first fixture between Arsenal and Southampton in the Premier League came on December 5, 1992 at the Dell and ended in a 2-0 win for the Saints, courtesy of goals from Ian Dowie and Neil Madison. Dowie opened the scoring on four minutes in the return fixture on March 20, 1993, but the Gunners roared back to win a thriller 4-3 with Andy Linigan, Paul Merson and Jimmy Carter two scoring, Mickey Adams and Matt Letizier scoring Saints other goals. 49. Arsenal's first game in the famous 49-game unbeaten run was a 6-1 win over Southampton on May the 7th, 2003, 
with hat-tricks from Robert Pires and Germaine Pennant. Joe Tessum scored for Southampton. Scouting Report by Michael Cox Southampton have enjoyed an excellent start to the 2020-21 campaign and briefly topped the Premier League table in November. Despite currently sitting in the Champions League places, a title charge will surely be beyond the Saints. But Ralph Hasenhutl has created a well-drilled, purposeful side capable of taking the game to the opposition. Hasenhutl's starting eleven is among the most predictable in the Premier League, and Southampton often take to the field with no fewer than nine players wearing 1-11 to shirt numbers, which should please traditionalists. They also generally use a 4-4-2 formation, albeit with the wide players moving inside to form something more like a 4-2-2-2. Goalkeeper Alex McCarthy could also be considered something of a throwback, a fine shot stopper who isn't so comfortable with his feet, as his mistake for Eddie Nicotere's opener at St Mary's in a 2-0 victory back in June demonstrated. Centre-backs Yannick Vestergaard and Jan Bednarek are both comfortable playing in a high defensive line and a threat from set pieces. They've scored four league goals between them this season, while the two full-backs scamper forward down the flanks effectively. Ryan Bertrand must now be considered something of a veteran at 31, while Kyle Walker-Peters has excelled down the right this season. The full-backs are afforded freedom to push forward because of Oriol Romeo's solid positioning in front of the defence. He's a calm distributor, but is more notable for strong tackles and is already in danger of a one-match ban for accumulation of bookings, although he's never been dismissed in the Premier League. Romeo has a fine partnership with James Ward-Prowse, who is given more licence to push forward as a box-to-box midfielder. Ward-Prowse's main quality, though, is his wicked set-piece delivery, which is largely why the Saints' centre-backs have been so prolific. Ward-Prowse has also scored three free kicks this season, including two in a 4-3 win at Aston Villa. Out wide, Hasenhutl has options. Theo Walcott may return to the flank, having often been used up front in Danny Ings's absence. Stuart Armstrong is clever at drifting inside into pockets of space between the lines. Musa Genefo offers great speed but inconsistent end product, while Nathan Redman is somewhere in between the two styles. Up front, the return of Ings, who hit 22 league goals last season, is crucial for Southampton, both in terms of goal scoring and as someone whose movement acts as the trigger for the Saints pressing in advanced positions. He's developed a good relationship with Che Adams, who struggled for goals last season, but offers good link play speed in behind and is now finding the net. Sundays against Sheffield United was his fourth in the league. Only 15 players have started Premier League matches for Southampton this season, demonstrating Hasenhutl's faith in his starting eleven. Centre-back Jack Stevens and young midfielder Will Smallbone are the two not mentioned previously. The other notable name is Shane Long. With no starts and eight appearances from the bench, He's the Premier League's most regularly used substitute this season. Premier League Match Day 12, 7.15pm, Sunday, December 13th, Emirates Stadium. Arsenal 0, Burnley 1, first half. 
The opening 45 minutes was a cagey affair, but we might have had a penalty when Aubameyang's shot was deflected behind by Ben Mee's hand. Rob Holding flashed a header over from Bukio Saka's diagonal pass, and Nick Pope made an instinctive save to deny Alex Lacazette after he connected well with Kieran Tierney's cutback. Chris Wood squandered a free header from Burnley's most notable attack, but we were largely in control of the game in the opening half. Second half. We upped the tempo after the break. Tierney was a regular threat on the left and, after starting an attack, he got into the box to collect Aubameyang's cutback and test Pope with a low shot. Aubameyang headed a chance wide and Pope made another fine reaction save to deny Saka after he met Willian's cross shot. We were well on top by now, but after an altercation between Granite Zaka and Ashley Wentwood on 58 minutes, the Swiss was shown a red card after a VAR check. We were now up against it, and with just under 20 minutes left to play, our woes were compounded when Westwood's corner flicked off Aubameyang's head and flew past Bernd Leno. We worked tirelessly with 10 men, but couldn't find an equaliser on a thoroughly miserable night for the Gunners. Teams For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta. Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and socks. 1. Bernd Leno, goalkeeper. 2. Hector Bellerin. 3. Kieran Tierney. 4. William Saliba. 5. Socrates Papastathopoulos. 6. Gabriel. 7. Pukeo Saka. 8. Danny Ceballos. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 10. Mesut Ozil. 12. William. 13. Alex Runason, goalkeeper. 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. 15. Ainsley Maitland-Niles. 16. Rob Holding. 17. Cedric Suarez. 18. Thomas Partey. 19. Nicolas Pepe. 20. Schroeder Mustafi. 21. Callum Chambers. 22. Pablo Mori. 23. David Lewis. 24. Reese Nelson. 25. Mohamed Elneny. 28. Joe Willock. 30. Eddie Nketiah. 31. Zird Galazinac. 32. Emil Smith Rowe. 33. Matt Macy, goalkeeper. 34. Granite Sharka. 35. Gabriel Martinelli. 38. Follerin Balogun. 41. Ben Cottrell. 66. Miguel Aziz. For Southampton. Manager Ralph Hasenhuttle. Blue shirt, shorts and socks. 1. Alex McCarthy, goalkeeper. 2. Kyle Walker-Peters. 3. Ryan Bertrand. 4. Yannick Vestergaard. 5. Jack Stevens. 6. Uriel Romu. 7. Shane Long. 8. James Ward-Prowse. 9. Danny Ings. 10. Che Adams. 11. Nathan Redmond. 12. Musa Janapo. 14. Michael Oberfemi. 17. Stuart Armstrong. 18. Jan Valery. 20. Will Smallbone. 22. Mohamed Salisu. 23. Nathan Teller. 27. Ibrahima Diallo. 
29, Jake Fokins, 32, Theo Walcott, 35, Jan Bednarak, 40, Dan and Lundulu, 41, Harry Lewis, goalkeeper, 44, Fraser Forster, goalkeeper, match officials, referee Paul Tierney, assistant referees Dan Cook, Sean Macielis, fourth official Andre Mariner, VAR official Craig Pawson, additional VAR official Stephen Child. Today's other fixtures, Leeds United vs Newcastle United at 6pm, Leicester City vs Everton at 6pm, Liverpool vs Tottenham Hotspur at 8pm, Fulham vs Brighton and Hove Albion at 8pm, West Ham United vs Crystal Palace at 8pm, The Arsenal Foundation, helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Premier League, official Premier League app. Manage your fantasy team and receive the latest Premier League updates. Free to download. Download on the App Store, get it on Google Play. Available at Amazon. Credit goals? Count on the experts. You wouldn't have much to celebrate if one of our credit geeks was trying to score at football. But when it comes to crunching the numbers, you can count on the MBNA team. Whether you're looking to squish existing balances together or just need a backup for when things get stretched, you'll find a great range of credit card options with us. Find out more at mbna.co.uk MBNA, official partner of Arsenal.
Arsenal are home. New 2020-21 home kit. On sale in store and online. Sky Sports. Watch it live. Feel it all. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.